This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 23. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. I thought we were going to talk about courage today, and the reason is that it came up in the last two interviews. The first was on authenticity, and that was episode 21 with Dr. Maria Serua, and the other one was on hope with Dr. Shane Lopez. And both of them mentioned that both if you want to be authentic, you need a lot of courage, but also if you want to become a more hopeful person or display hope in different um, difficult moments, you need courage as well. So although research has picked up a little bit in the last 10 years, there is still not a lot out there on courage. And one of the reasons is also that it's very hard to study it. If you think about it, lots of the knowledge that we have comes from experiments. Now, um, courage experiments are, for obvious reasons, could be very unethical. Because we would have to make the participants believe that something dangerous or threatening is going on. Imagine we would have to pretend that, you know, people need to be saved from a burning building or something like that. And obviously, that's never going to be allowed in a in an experimental environment, which is good. And we've learned from, you know, the 60s and the 70s when quite a few experiments in psychology were carried out, which actually... How shall I put this? Well, the findings are very interesting and valuable. However, the people who were involved in those experiments might have suffered some serious damage from that. And as a consequence of what has happened, as a consequence of this rather dark part of the history of psychology, nowadays you are not allowed to to test courage in a way you might have been, you know, maybe 50 years ago. So I'm hoping that by discussing definitions of courage and what it, what different types of courage exist and how we can increase courage, I hope it will help you to think about the role that courage plays in your life. All right. So first of all, the definition of courage, it has to be an intentional act. It has to be something that you actually want to do or you decided to do that. Um, if you if you just happen to you know stumble on the road and by accident you save someone from being run over, that is very fortunate. But it's not it's not courage. It's you stumbled, so it's not something you actually try to do. Um, another part of the definition is that courage requires you to have um, at least even if it's just a split second moment of deliberation so there has to be an uh, a decision you have to be able to think about well to walk away basically so if there is not no such moment it's hard to define it as courage it's also important that courage involves a su- substantial risk. Now, this one is debatable because as we shall see, there are different types of courage. And if something is risky or not, might depend on the types of courage that are employed. Then it has to be motivated by the desire to reach a worthy goal. And usually it's done in presence of fear. 
Now, there is also such a thing as bad courage. Bad courage leads to pursuing harmful activities, and this can be either harmful to yourself or to others. And, for example, if someone, you know, I don't know, like, attempts suicide, it's it, it takes a certain level of bravery, but it is bad courage. It's not courage that is conducive to a healthy outcome. All right, so... Again, we are interested, um, when we talk about courage, it has to be intentional. We have to have the time to think about it. It has to involve some risk and it has to be, we have to be motivated to achieve something that is a worthy outcome despite our fears and despite the oppositions that we face. Now, there's different types of courage and I would like to discuss them mainly because when people hear about bravery and courage, the first thing we think about is often physical courage. And because we think of physical courage, we might think, well, I'm not courageous. I'm not a brave person. However, there are very different kinds of courage. Now, before we get to physical courage and other kinds of courage, it's important to mention that there's one broad distinction. The first one is a gen general courage. And general courage refers to something that anybody would call brave. So if you, you know, for example, you, you, yeah, the classic example, you build, you rescue something from someone from a burning building, or um, there's a demonstration going on, um, and you take the opposite point of view, whatever it is, that would be considered, you know, that's brave, no matter who does it, if it's, um, if it's a kid, or if it's an 86 year old grandma, or if it's a 40 year old, you know, um, disabled person, it doesn't matter, whoever does it, it's considered brave. Now, there's another kind of courage, and that's personal courage. And this is much more about you and what scares you. Now, a good example is traveling by yourself okay that's something that i hear a lot of people think oh i'm very brave to travel by myself as a female and to me it it doesn't feel brave at all i actually feel quite comfortable doing that because i've done it so often that it's it's not you know i'm not being humble here but it, it's not something that i would consider courageous whereas for someone who has never even spent a whole day by themselves it might seem like a, a huge huge challenge so the thing about personal courage is that the fears or the obstacles are often internal and we'll come to that later as to how we can overcome them. Now there are other types of courage and the first one I talked about already it's the classic physical courage, the war heroes, the firemen and because we might not display them we might think we're not courageous but please again that's just one kind of courage okay. The, another kind of courage is moral courage. So that's to do what's right and important in the face of opposition, even if there are no gains for you. And even, you know, even if you, you might not, people might not see the point of it, you know what is right and you do it anyway. And this can be a big thing, like starting a movement to protect someone who cannot help themselves. For example, a friend of mine, he's really interested in the issue of immigrants who are dying in the Mediterranean Sea as they're trying to reach Europe. And I think it's a brave thing to actually fight that fight because it's not there's not a lot of people who are really interested in helping immigrants. Immigrants are often depicted as a problem. So I think it's um, it's an example of moral courage 
that he and his friends are trying to improve the situation of this particular group of people. However, moral courage doesn't have to be huge like that. It doesn't mean that we have to devote our life to a purpose like that. It can also be small, like defending someone who is being gossiped about. That's also moral courage, even if it's small. And that's maybe more along the lines of where we can build our courage. Because in really li in daily life, unless you're a fireman or a surgeon or something like that, or someone who diffuses bombs, there might not be, at least not in the West, a, a whole lot of, you know, physical danger um, in carrying out, you know, going about your daily life. However, there's probably a lot of small possibilities to to show and to display moral courage if you see that something that is not right is going on. Another type of courage is psychological courage, and this is really related to what we talked about personal courage it's about facing our addictions and our fears it's about avoiding self-deception and admitting our own mistakes but it's also about daring to live our values and to stand up for them and also to be ourselves and and you know maybe even stick in as cliches that is as it sounds go for our dreams i mean that can sometimes be one of the most courageous things we can do because if the people around us don't believe that these things are you know um, possible or realistic there is a lot of pressure even if people don't you know people don't maybe try to hold you back but there's a lot of pressure in terms of you know um you have to have health insurance and that kind of thing if you want to do your own your own thing if you want to go after your own dreams so that's psychological courage and and if we think back um if we think about the definitions of courage and we look at psychological courage we can see that if we dare to formulate an intention that we want to face our addictions and our issues that we actually have the choice of just doing nothing about it at all or you know taking pills and trying to avoid it trying to take shortcuts trying to do whatever it takes to, to avoid discomfort and the risk that is needed that is talked about in the definition of courage right it says it involves risk now in terms of psychological courage there is a risk because you are actually exposing yourself to some of the most painful moments of your life and some of the most negative feelings you can feel. And that is something very brave to do. And it is motivated by reaching a worthy outcome. And in this case, a worthy outcome would be even to just feel a little bit better about something that you maybe in the past didn't have the courage to face and doing this despite the fear and despite what you're, you know, afraid to find. Now, another interesting thing is workplace, workplace fear. And um, I haven't found a lot of research on that, but I seriously hope that they will do more about that because speaking up is hard. And again, there are lots of things in, in place to actually discourage us from doing that. But it's also hard to deliver bad news. And why am I saying this? Well, when we think about workplace courage, we might think about, you know, the employee who dares to speak up um, to a manager who is maybe much higher ranked than they are. However, it's also it also takes courage to do the opposite thing, to 
if you are honest and a caring individual and you're a manager and you have to give a bad performance review, that can actually take quite a lot of courage because the easiest thing might be to just, you know, be like, okay, no, it wasn't this bad and I'll just, you know, put an average everywhere and avoid the discussions. But actually, not just the lower level employees need courage. Everybody needs courage. We need the courage to to deliver bad news, to to point out things which are hard, but also, and that's what's important to me, the courage to maybe pursue the things that are absolutely worth it, which are not being done. You know, there's a lot of time in business that's wasted for things that are not that productive. Like, you know, a lot of meetings are completely, completely pointless. And, you know, sadly, everybody agrees, but not a lot of people dare to do something about it. And if you suggest, hey, let's, let's, for example, do three good things in a business context, people, you know, might look at you, laugh at you, whatever it is, but actually pursuing positive psychology in a workplace context is actually quite a brave thing, I think. So that's that. Now, those were the types of courage. So we talked about physical courage, moral courage, um, psychological courage, and workplace courage. Now, Robert Biswas-Diener wrote an interesting book called The Courage Quotient. And he states that courage can be trained, like a muscle can be trained. And he says this is done mainly through two different mechanisms. Number one is to learn to control your fear. And number two is to increase the willingness to act. Now, controlling fear, that's a tough nut. How how can we do that? How How can we control our fear because the thing about brave people is not that they don't experience fear they're not fearless necessarily and if they are maybe it's more of a thing like i described before that they are so used to it and that something that we perceive as a high risk is actually maybe not such a big risk at all however in most cases fear is not absent people displaying courage are not feeling no fear at all However, they have learned to control it and to deal with it in a good way. And how can this be done? Now, the first is to actually expect fear, to know that it will come if the stakes are high enough. If something is done that you haven't done before, any of that, you can completely be sure of the fact that fear will show up and it will take a, try to take a grip of you. So the next step would be to accept fear, um, to look at it as part of the process and not something that will actually stop you in your tracks the next one is to use fear and this is all about thinking about how fear alerts us to certain things it alerts us to danger that's why fear developed from an evolutionary point of view so if we use fear and we calmly examine the things the risks and we really look at them that means that we can maybe take precautions and minimize our risks because there is a difference between being brave and being an idiot. And if we use our fears to really make sure that we minimize the risks that anybody could be harmed, that's a good way of using our fear. And the next stage is actually to control the fear. And that can be done through things like meditation, breathing, relaxation techniques, and prayer. And the important thing is of course, we might not always have the time to do meditation and that, but just take a deep breather or a short prayer, that can really help. 
And it's also important to remind ourselves of the outcome that we are trying to achieve. So when we are thinking of whether we want to take a brave action or not, if we make the the outcome, if we emphasize it, it has been shown that if people are if people think um, think more about the benefits of the outcome, then it kind of in- increases in relationship to the fear that they're feeling. And another thing that was found is that people are, if you reinforce your identity and your values, you're more likely to act. So for example, if you think you are a just person, and if that's something that you have been reminded of just before something happens, which actually challenges this. So if somebody reminded you just very, you know, maybe 10 minutes ago that you're a very fair person, and then you're sitting in the break and your buddies are just trashing somebody who's not there. They're gossiping about them in a really unfair way. It's much more likely that you will challenge them and tell them to stop if you just recently remembered how your values and how you want to be perceived by others, but also by yourself. And lastly, as I mentioned before, it's important to think things through. And here, it's really important to think about the risk objectively. Now, of course, we don't always have the time to do this, but if we can, it really helps to think, is this something that's truly dangerous? Now, it is truly dangerous to jump out of the plane wearing, not a plane, a cliff wearing only a wingsuit, all right? That's just something that's dangerous. It's even dangerous for people who know what they're doing. So that is something that's objectively risky. However, if you are freaked out by talking on stage, that's not something that's objectively risky. It's, I mean, of course, you could make a fool of yourself, but there's nothing about the situation that's threatening your life or in, or any, in any way whatsoever. So that was about controlling fear. These were all things. So just to recap, it's about expecting fear, accepting fear, using fear, and lastly, controlling it. Now, the second aspect of improving our ability to be courageous is to increase the willingness to act. Now, it's important to understand that these things need to be practiced before the event. That means that in your daily life, you look at opportunities, you look out for the opportunities and consciously practice these things. And all of them, all of the stuff I'm going to mention in a second, are uncomfortable and all of them feel weird and scary in the first moment. However, if you do it often enough, it will become less scary every time. So the first thing is to just say no every once in a while and not to be so obedient and to just agree with everyone all the time, but to also be able to say no and to tolerate the discomfort that this brings. And the second thing is to be outside of the in-group. Now, I'm not, you know, advocating that you're just being a moron and just, you know, just pissing people off or pissing people off sake. This is not about this. This is about if you feel inside that something is wrong or that you just don't agree. It doesn't have to be something horrible. It can be something small. Like, for example, in a room, they ask people, okay, so... Who likes this song and who likes that song? And maybe for some weird reason, everybody likes one song. But if you actually like the other one, can you tolerate being the only person who raises their hand, even if maybe 50 people will turn around to look at you? Can you do that? And people who are able to tolerate this kind of discomfort 
can train themselves to be more courageous. And this is what this is all about. And the third is to be willing to fail. And that means that we accept and know that failure is part of life. It's part of everything that is not done all the time. And even routine activities, we usually fail every once in a while. But failure is part of life. And if we know that we can fail, but we can continue to exist and it will be okay, we fear it much less. And if we fear it much less, we will not let the discomfort that any of these things cause in us, saying no, being you know outside of a group and tolerating failure, none of these things will be strong enough to keep us back into in, in, if anything happens where we will actually have to discourage Sorry, display courage. And one last thing is that we are sometimes really blind to our own courage. And like with other strengths, we might think it's perfectly normal. And I would like you to think about if there anything there is anything that you are maybe courageous about and people have even mentioned it to you, but you have never really thought about it and just brushed it off. All right, so I hope you have a better understanding now of what courage is and what it takes to cultivate it. And next, I would like to thank two listeners who left a review. The first one comes from Miriam, and she left a review on Stitcher, and it was um, a review specifically for episode 20. Um, Episode 20 was about terrorism through the lens of transformative action. And she said, very interesting and well thought out. Enjoyable to listen to as it is a very different approach to a topic that is often spoken about in the media. Well, thanks a lot, Miriam. Thank you, my dear, for leaving that review. And the second one comes from Jay. Crispy, funny, casual, and with highly interesting content, this podcast is pure good mood, reversed directly into your ears. The jingle starts and I feel the smile growing on my face and the urge of starting to dance in rhythm. The inspiring host, Kristen, and her always very interesting invitees share in a very accessible way diverse tools to build a flourishing life. Listen to it, you'll feel more knowledgeable, empowered, energized, and in a great mood. So thanks very much for that one, Jay. And she's one of the most loyal listeners. I know that from a fact. So my heartfelt thanks to you publicly on air for this one. Now, thanks very much, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this and have a good week. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.